I'll tell you today that your greatest responsibility as a man is to make sure that everyone that you love is safely in the boat. Welcome to Can I Get an Amen with Bishop Herson Gonzalez, the pastor of Vida Church in Woonsocket, Rhode Island. Subscribe to Can I Get an Amen at www.canigetanamen.podbean.com or wherever you're listening. Joy to the world, a father's born. Let me receive great gifts. Dad, there's no such thing as Father's Day Eve. No Father's Day Eve? Does this mean there's no such thing as Daddy Claus? <laughs> Fine, there's a Daddy Claus. Welcome to another episode of Can I Get an Amen? I am your host without a voice, Herson Gonzalez, and I'm so thrilled that you were able to click on my podcast, this Father's Day celebration. Happy Father's Day to all the men. Homer, there is a Daddy Claus. Her name is Mommy Claus. Being a father is the greatest thing I've ever done. It's great privilege to be a dad and I want to thank my son and my daughter Herson and Melody for being everything I ever hoped they would be I'm so proud of you both I love you with all my heart God bless you guys thank you to Valerie for helping me become a daddy without you it was impossible to make it happen let's get right into today's topic Should you say Happy Father's Day to single moms? Hmm. I'll be the first to shower single moms with praise. It's hard enough to raise children when there's two parents in the house and there are so many single moms raising children by themselves and doing a great job. And it is really honorable and highly commendable. Let me start with that. When a child of a single mom says, Happy Father's Day to their mom because they are both mom and dad to them. I button my lip. I respect that kid's love and devotion to their mom. I appreciate it because mom is their hero. I do, however, feel some kind of way when a mom begins to tout that she is both mother and father to their child because respectfully, no, you're not. You're an amazing mom but you can't be their father. Now, I have total respect for single moms, and I know that that might feel a little disingenuous being that I'm bringing up this topic, but I'm being sincere. I have absolutely nothing but respect for single moms. I couldn't do what you're doing, raising children by yourself, but that doesn't make you a father. Too many moms who feel like they have to act a little tougher than they would naturally behave just so that their children could get a sense of what it might be like to have a dad around are simply misguided. When you blend your femininity with what you think a man would act like, you produce an unnatural hybrid that I feel can distort the image of what a woman is to a child. 
Let me try to explain that last sentence because I'm afraid you're going to click away from this podcast. (laughs) By trying to act like a part-time father, your child who doesn't know you're acting begins to internalize this idea of what a woman is. And because mom, you are the ideal of what a woman is to your child, by becoming harder, they might never know the fragile vessel that God created you to be. You can correct a child and maintain your femininity, that's what my mom did. In the absence of a father at home, the most important thing for your kid to have is a great mom. But I digress. If for no other reason, let's have fathers have Father's Day because they don't get much anymore, okay? (laughs) Having said all of that, If you think I'm wrong, if you want to tell me off, if you want to correct me, or if you want to agree, please let me know. I'd like to hear from you. You can write to me at bhg at vida.church. bhg at vida.church. I'd love to hear from you. In this week's sermon, I talk about the hero within every father. And I am so glad to report that I am noticing an uptick on men who are willing to come back to the leadership table and say, God, I want you to use me as the man that you called me to be in my home, in society, at work, at church. This is an exciting time. There is a hero within every single one of you, and I'm here to tell you who you can be may surprise you. Let's go to the altar of Vida Church for this week's sermon, The Hero Within Every Father. I hope you're realizing that there is more to you than what you think. I hope you're realizing that that when you connect yourself to the Almighty God, He unlocks the superhero within you. God wants to do amazing things in your life. I wish I had somebody that believed me. Amen. God wants to do it. And more and more, as, as people talk to millennials, we're finding out that fewer and fewer millennials are looking at athletes and, athletes and rock stars and actors to be their role models. Instead, when you ask millennials who their, who their heroes are, they're saying mom and they're saying dad. They're saying that these are the greatest influences of their lives. Now, scripture is filled with people that we can learn so much from. When it comes to the challenging vocation of fatherhood, several fathers in the Bible show us what is wise to do, and some of them are there to show us what is not wise to do. Amen. Of course, the most important father figure in Scripture is our Heavenly Father. Amen, somebody. His love, his kindness, his patience, his wisdom, the, the, the pro, pro, proactiveness of his, of his care and concern for you. They're, they're impressive standards that we are to live up to. Fortunately, God the Father is so loving and he's so merciful and he's so understanding that he's giving us time to grow and he's giving us space to grow and he's being the model for us to grow into his son, Jesus Christ. Now, 
I'm going to talk about a few fathers in scripture that, that, that weren't necessarily uh, born to be heroes. The first one wasn't born at all. He was created in the image of God. He himself had no earthly father, only God. But God would come and, and be with him in the, in the cool of the day, right? But most of the time, Adam was on his own. Adam is the first man that was humanly fatherless. Now in, nowadays, it's very, very common. But Adam was the first fatherless man who had to be a father. He didn't have another man to teach him how to love his kids and how to speak. He didn't have that role model uh, in flesh to teach him. But this first father uh, is no bright example of what is right to do because he didn't follow God. But in his disobedience to God, he showed us how we ought not to live. And so he does become an example after all. Ultimately, he was left to deal with the tragedy of his son Cain killing his son Abel. And Adam has much to teach us today, Father's Day, because he had to deal with the consequences of his actions. This is an important lesson here, my brothers, men, women, sons, and daughters. There are consequences to our actions, and Adam had to live it out the rest of his life. Adam couldn't uh, uh, just get over it. Adam had to realize that just because you're forgiven, it doesn't mean the consequences of your behavior are erased. Your future is forever changed, but your past sometimes can chase you. When you hurt someone, God will forgive you. And even the person that you hurt may forgive you. But there are still consequences that we are left to deal with. Adam's real life consequences was that his son killed his other son. And that stemmed directly from his disobedience to God. I want to speak to men that have made mistakes. I want to speak to men that are dealing with the consequences of their sins. It doesn't mean God doesn't love you. It doesn't mean you haven't been forgiven. It simply means that there are some occasions where you're still going to have to carry the consequence of your bad behavior. Amen? But if you're a real man, you're not going to shy away from it. If you're a man of God, you're not going to run away and say, God, why are they still looking, still looking at me? I feel so different. Just because you feel different doesn't mean that they see you different. It's going to take some time for you to prove, to show that, that there has been, in fact, a change. And I love these guys, and I was one of them. Shh. I was one of them. I was one of these guys that I would feel, I would go to church, I would speak in the Holy Ghost, I would fall to the floor, I would get up and feel like brand new, and I'd tell my wife, okay, honey, you can stop being mad at me, I'm changed. Because she's a wise woman, she said, okay, honey, and she waited to see if what I professed was actually happening on the inside. And sometimes it didn't. Sometimes I reverted back to the man I used to be. Sometimes, my friends, I didn't get it right. But praise God for a woman that believed in me. Even when I stopped believing in myself, she continued to pray and continued to demand that, 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 that I would be the man that she knew I could be. 
The consequences didn't go away, but I, when I changed, everything changed. Here's what I want to say to men that are dealing with consequences of past sins and past failures. The more you change, the better your life will be. The more you become like God, the, few, the, 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 the less they will want to punish you, the less that they're going to want to, 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 to charge you for those sins. Continue to change and don't expect people to see you or treat you differently. Just change. Just change. Just serve God. Be loyal. Be faithful. Be honorable. Rise up. Turn away from your addiction. Turn away from the past. Walk a new life. Let the Holy Spirit truly make you into a new creature. Can I get an amen? Amen. amen. Then there's Noah. Noah is a righteous man. Noah stands out among fathers in the Bible as a man who clung to God in spirit in spite of the wickedness all around him. Now, now, one of the most amazing things about the story of Noah is that the eye of God was going all over looking for a righteous man and there was none but him. In a godless time when everyone was sinning, Jonah was righteous. I'm sorry, Noah was righteous. Amen. And this speaks to this generation of men who are surrounded by other men who are cheaters and liars, who are surrounded by other men who have adopted a way of life that is not righteous. It's normal to be a cheat. It's normal to be a little bit of a liar. It's normal in today's society. A man that wants to follow the example of Noah is going to stand up and go against the stream. A man that wants to stand and be like Noah can be relevant with truth, not lies. A man that wants to be like Noah can be relevant living righteously and not living a life of sin. Amen, somebody. Noah was not perfect, but he was humble and he protected his family. And when the storm came, every one of his sons and daughters and everybody in his family was safely in the boat. I'll tell you today that your greatest responsibility as a man is to make sure that everyone that you love is safely in the boat. Judgment is coming. Jesus is coming again. Amen. And I believe that that trumpet's going to sound and the dead in Christ are going to rise up and those of us that are still around are going to look around at our husband, our, our wives, and our children and say, there's a sound we've been waiting for. There's the sound of the trumpet. Go and grab your kids and, and say, we're on our way out. It's time to go. Fathers, it is time for you to stand in the place of Noah and say, get in the boat. Everybody knows that the boat typifies Jesus Christ. He was a foreshadowing. The boat is a foreshadowing. Anybody who was in the boat was saved from the storm. Amen. Modern fathers may often feel they're in a, a, a thankless role. Noah preached for years and years and people laughed at him, but he kept preaching and, and he kept working on that boat, even though they had never seen a big body of water and even though it had never rained more than a day. Amen. I, I, 
like Noah was doing something that nobody else could understand. He was following the voice of God and I wonder who I'm talking to who's trying to ignore the call of God on their life. You're getting to the end of your rope. You're getting to the end of the place. You can't go any further. It's time to turn around and look up to heaven and say, okay, God, I'm tired of running. I'm tired of running away from your call in my life. I'm ready to say yes. I'm ready to say yes. Abraham is the father of the Jewish nation. What could be more frightening than being the father of an entire nation? That was the mission that God gave Abraham. He was a leader of tremendous faith. Amen, somebody. Amen. Abraham made mistakes. And and Abraham's greatest mistakes was relying on himself at times. When things got bad, you know what Abraham did? He didn't trust God. He, f- he trusted his, his own ability. And when, when things got scary, he told lies to be safe. One time in particular, there was a king that had eyes for his wife and, and, and she was so beautiful. And, and, and Abraham, because she was his half-sister, and back in those days, that was okay. But because Abraham was scared, he was afraid that the king was going to kill him to have his wife, he, he only said half the truth. And that's where some men live, in half-truths. You only say what you got caught doing, but you don't talk about more. Ooh, he don't even have a voice, and he's preaching at me. Can I, can I, you know what somebody in this church calls me? And I love this. Somebody in this church started calling me uh, Shade Queen. Yeah, I never heard of this term before. Shade Queen means when I'm preaching, I'm talking, I'm in their business. I'm, I'm, I'm throwing shade. And so they called me Shade Queen. And when I heard it, I loved it. I am proud to be a shade queen. <clears throat> but I said, why can't I be shade king? And then they said, no, 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 no. Queens are the highest level of shade. I was like, okay, I get it. I get it. When we live in half-truths, we're trying to get along with everybody. When we live in half-truths, we're trying to cover up the bad things we did to protect the people we love. Most of us, only tell half-truths because the whole truth will hurt the people we love or put ourselves in trouble. Abraham teaches us that even though he's the father of our faith, he was susceptible to the same thing that we fall into. I'll tell you some of the truth. I'll tell you the truth I think you can handle because I don't trust God to cover me for my mistake. I don't trust that God is going to get me through this by himself. He must need my help. Let me tell a lie. But this morning, I want us to learn from the example of Abraham. Because because at the end of the day, his greatest test was being able to sacrifice that which he loved the most, his son. And he did it. He did it. And everybody in this room understands this. When you do it in your heart, you've already done it. 
When you've decided in your heart, you've already done it. That's why for men, it's dangerous to watch pornography. That's why for men and women, it's dangerous to watch pornography. Because when you do it in your heart, you already did it. Abraham, Abraham is a great lesson to us. He made mistakes. He relied on himself. But still, he embodies qualities that any father would be wise to develop. Amen. Amen. I feel like I'm whispering this sermon to you. Amen. But, but from what I read, God shows up in a whisper. Amen. Amen. Moses. Moses is known as the lawgiver. Moses was the father of, uh, had two great sons. Gershom, which is my actual name, Herson, Gershom, and Eliza. He was also, he also served as uh, the father figure to the entire Hebrew nation as they escaped slavery in Egypt. He loved them and he helped discipline them and, and, and provide for them for 40 years in journey all the way to the promised land. And at times, Moses seemed larger than life. At times, the things that God did in Moses' life were so great that, 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 that people just saw him as, 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 as too much, a greater-than-life person. But at the end of the day, he was just a man. He shows today's fathers that overwhelming tasks can be achieved when you stay close to God. How does a man with no experience lead a nation of two million people out of slavery and into, oh, into the, the cusp of promise? How do you do that? Amen. I want to tell you, whatever your burden is, whatever your task is, I want to tell you, men, you can do it. If Moses the stutterer could do it, you can do it. You can do it. You can, you, can, you can look at all of the challenges that lie before you, and I want you to own it. I want you to say, God, if you are for me, no one can come against me. Father, I believe that that which you have spoken upon my life is not just true, but true to me. It's real to me. And I'm going to hold on to every promise that you've ever given me. Amen, somebody. One of my favorite Fathers in the Bible is David. And although David was not perfect, and his sons, one of his sons tried to kill him to take his kingdom. But in that story, I see the love of God. In that story, I see how, how David could have easily risen up against his son and taken back the kingdom that was rightfully his. But he didn't. Not with a sword. Because even when our sons disappoint us, even when they disrespect us, even when our children go ahead and, and, and overstep their bounds, a merciful father knows how to love their children back to their place. One of the great stories of struggle in the Bible concerns David, someone who has a heart after God. He trusted God to defeat Goliath. He trusted God to get over his own king trying to kill him. But David sinned greatly, but he repented and he found forgiveness. And even though Absalom was a terrible son and tried to take his kingdom and tried to besmirch his name, amen, praise God that there was a Solomon. Amen. He continued to love and he continued to be the father that he knew he was supposed to be. And his son Solomon 
went on to become one of Israel's greatest kings. Let me speak to the fathers that have sons and daughters. Let me tell you that, that, that it's our job to set them up to be better than us. It's our job to set them up, to give them the tools, to hear from God as far as the measurements of the temple, but not build it ourselves. God spoke to David and told him the exact measurements, all the things that had to happen, but he didn't build it. He realized that his job was to set up greatness for his son. And I believe that that's what God is calling us men to do. Whether, you're, whether your child is an infant or whether he's in his 20s or 30s, you're st you still have time to set up the stage for your sons and daughters to walk into their greatness. Somebody shout amen. 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 Then there's Joseph, the, the guy who had to raise God's son. And I want to speak to the stepfathers in the room people who are raising somebody else's son, somebody else's kids. Joseph is your example. How he loved Jesus. How he taught Jesus. And, and throughout his village, when everybody saw Jesus, they said, there goes the carpenter's son. Uh -huh. It's only his stepdad, but, but everybody knew that's the carpenter's son. And Jesus wore it proudly. Yeah, I'm, I'm a carpenter's son. Amen. Surely one of the most underrated fathers in the Bible was Joseph. This adopted dad of Jesus Christ. He went through great difficulties to protect his beautiful wife Mary and their baby. Then he saw Jesus. He educated Jesus. He helped him to grow up. Je Joseph taught Jesus about carpentry and the trade. The Bible calls Joseph a righteous man. And Jesus must have loved his guardian father. Jesus must have loved his quiet strength, his honesty, and his kindness. To all those men who are raising somebody else's child, I give you praise. We thank God for you, that those children are not growing up fatherless. Those children are not growing up without a, a model of a father. They may still have a biological dad. And he still may be a great dad. And your job is not to replace him. But your job is to be a good model of a father in the home where they live. Joseph could have never replaced God. His job was simply to show Jesus the model of a good man. Amen, somebody. I was in my office before service today and a few people in my office and I said, hey guys, are there any deadbeat dads in our church? That term bothers me, but it's a term people use. And we started thinking about all the men, all the fathers that are in our church. And, I, and I, I'm so proud to say that everybody that I know that who is of, we may not all be great husbands, <laughs> but today's not husband day. We may not all be great boyfriends, but, but I'm telling you, as I look around this room, I see nothing but great dads. Great dads.
we're great dads. And, and, and I mean that honestly. I mean, I look around, I'm seeing all the faces of the guys. Every one of you is exceptional in your own way. I'm proud of you. I'm so proud of you. Even those of you that are raising kids when, when you're not with the mom, I'm proud of you. That you're making the effort. I'm proud. I'm so proud of you. I know some of our guys have kids that live in other states. I am proud of you, of the way you love your sons and daughters. There are couples, couples that are going through great problems. But on Facebook today, I see the wife that's estranged from her husband writing, you're a good dad. Wow. Amen. Amen. And I'm proud of that. And I think it's because the men of Vida Church are learning some important things. We're not perfecting it, but we're learning this. And I'm trying to close. We are men who are trusting in the Lord. That's what makes for a good dad. A good dad teaches their kids to trust in God. I can remember sometimes in our, our, our family, my father worked a full-time job and he was a pastor and, and, and he didn't get paid well at either one of them. And sometimes there were 13 people living in our house. And sometimes things would get tough. I remember one day specifically, my father was a, a little bit uh, worried there was no food in the house, all these hungry mouths to feed. And my father decided this is a moment to teach my children faith. And he called us in the living room and he said, guys, it's time to pray. And all of us in the room, in the living room, held hands. Now, I never knew, I, 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 if I was poor, I didn't know I was poor. I never went to, I was never hungry. I always had good clothes. I, I never felt poor. We were probably poor. I never felt poor because my father was an amazing man of faith. So here we are, we're praying. We're praying. And I hear my father praying, God, send us a miracle. Lord, we believe in you. Lord, and he's going on and on. And boy, when you hear my father pray, my father doesn't pray, he preaches. When he prays, he's, he's one of these guys that starts using biblical things. God, because when you told this and when you, and he starts using the Bible and, and, and so you're sitting there going, amen, amen, amen. I'm, I'm just, a, I'm probably 12, 13 years old and I'm just sitting there praying and praying and I'm saying, you know, wow, my, my dad believes in God. But then I was made aware that there's no food in the house. My father didn't finish praying when there's a knock at the door. When they go to, my father sends my brother, open the door, see who it is. They go, they open the door. There's brothers from the church, a bunch of them, walking in with bags and bags of groceries. <laughs> Here's the part I don't understand. They didn't have time to go grocery shopping from the time my father started praying to when he finished. God activated it before my dad started praying. But my father, who didn't know they were coming, he decided, let me show my children how to trust in God. And this is how you do it, my brothers and sisters. When you're going through problems, don't just pray alone. You need to pray alone, but bring your family into prayer. Show them. And tell them what miracles you're expecting. And how you expect God to move. How else are they going to see that God provides if you never show them of the need? Tell your kids 
Don't scare them. Don't tell them everything. The last thing I'll say is the men of this house are learning to lead. We're learning to lead. We love our wives, but our wives are not our mothers. Our wives are our wives. And we are sorry for putting you in a place where you felt like you had one extra kid. But, but the men of this house, I feel God. The men of this house are rising up and taking back. We are reclaiming leadership. We're not trying to put baby in the corner because nobody puts baby in the corner. All we're all we deciding to do is to step up and say, you know what, babe? You've been carrying a job that wasn't intended for you. That's why you're getting mean. That's why you're being, that's why you're not being so lovely because the Bible says that they are the weaker, the more fragile vessel. That's not an insult, my brothers. That's not an insult, sisters. It just means that when you're forced to deal with, with the role of man, it changes you. You don't want to be so angry, but you are. You don't want to be so mean, but you are. Why? Because your husband has abandoned you in a place where he should have been, but not anymore. The men of this house, the reason why we're becoming better is because we're becoming better leaders. My, my wife and I went away to New Hampshire for two or three days. She couldn't get enough of me. My God. She loved Big Poppy. Praise God. I say that to say this. It used to be, it used to be that only Valerie would ask this question. How do you think we're doing? Because I never wanted to ask that question. Because it was always bad. No matter what I did, it was always bad. But now, guess who asked that question? Because guess who the leader is? It's the leader's job to ask, hey, how are we doing? Hey, everybody okay? Hey, how's your life? And we started, we had this amazing conversation, but at a restaurant with a bunch of people talking around us, we started to have this deep conversation about the status of our relationship. The status of God's, how is she? I started asking her questions, baby, how can I love you better? And she said, baby, you loving me just fine. She told me, she, she replied honestly, she told me areas where I need to improve. But those questions I never would have asked if I wasn't serious about being the leader of my house. It's a scary thing. And I don't recommend that everybody go home and try it. <laughs> but when you're ready to lead, and I believe so many men are here ready to lead their houses. When you're ready to lead, you start to ask the questions. When there's a tough conversation looming, you're the one that initiates it. You're the one that says, we got to talk. You don't wait because we're learning how to lead. Why? Because we're learning how to follow God. The most important thing you need to lead is your flesh. If you don't lead your flesh, your flesh is going to lead you. So you need to lead your flesh. Your spirit needs to lead. You need to rise up and be the man of God that God has called you to be. 
Thanks for listening to Can I Get an Amen with Bishop Herson Gonzalez. You can subscribe to our podcast at www.canigetanamen.podbean.com or wherever you're listening. We'll see you next time.